Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Let's Talk Tri-Delta. I'm Karen White, Tri-Delta CEO. Thanks for tuning in once again. By the time you hear this episode, we will have just finished CLC, Collegiate Leadership Conference 2023. We had an amazing weekend, such good programming that we wanted to share with all of our listeners and a featured keynote for our collegians that was about female friendship. We had a coach and an educator who speaks nationally on the subject of friendship as a wellness imperative. We wanted to bring her to you on the podcast. So please help me welcome Danielle Byer-Jackson to the podcast. Welcome, Danielle. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you again. Listen, we just spent the weekend hearing from you, getting to know you. What was your impression of Tridelta's Collegiate Leadership Conference as you, you know, came to visit us in Dallas on Friday? You know, the first thing I thought was how cool that they have the opportunity to have this experience, to be in the same room together, to brainstorm together, and to also witness firsthand the magnitude of the support that they have on this journey. So I'm hoping that it was encouraging to them to see that they're in good company. And then also, you know, after the talk that I gave, I was telling you earlier, it was so refreshing to hear young people be so energized, to show me that they were taking notes, to tell me all their plans that they had to go back and incorporate it. And I I just said to myself, if this is the face of our future leadership, we're going to be okay. So it was, it was a great opportunity for me to be in the room and to see um, how smart and how dedicated your members were. Thanks for saying that. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I am clearly a little biased, right? But, you know, we've been hearing all this stuff about Gen Z and, you know, their apathy and their unwillingness to engage. And that is just, that was not my observation this past weekend with Tridelta's young leaders, right? I felt like they were absolutely sharp and, and ready to learn. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. I know normally traditionally in a keynote, you know, somebody gets up there and then they just kind of run their mouth for 45 minutes. But it was nice to kind of stop in the middle of the presentation and to have each group speak out and share their ideas. And normally with young people, you're kind of like pulling teeth to get them to to be activated. But they were kind of tussling over who was going to get a turn and who was going to get to speak. And so it was very um, refreshing for me to see how excited they were to learn and to work together and to share their ideas. So it was it was collaborative and and really interactive. And I um, really enjoyed my time. Well, thank you for that. And I think kudos to you, right? You you read read the room, made it interactive, and they completely responded and loved it. To me, what that said was your message was absolutely resonating. Tell me why you think it's important to cultivate and foster female friendship. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. Sometimes, you know, especially when I started this journey, people are like, well, you know, everybody needs friendships. And that's true. I mean, all the research points to, it doesn't matter how you identify, it doesn't matter. Friendship is the number one thing According to a long running study at Harvard, the number one thing that impacts your overall life satisfaction and well being. So, for that point alone, we have to take some time to figure out how do I get this right? Because it's going to make a difference of my physical health if I have strong social support, my mental health to have strong social support, you know, how I feel about my job if I feel like I have friends at my job. So, across the board, we all need friendship. But for women especially, there are so many benefits, the research shows, of when women come together. And it also turns out that 70% of our social network as women is made up of other women. And for those who are men or identify in other ways, they're mostly people who we're related to. So if that's the case, it means we better figure out how to get along better with other women because it's going to be everywhere we are. And so um, I just appreciate being able to serve in a space that helps equip us with tangible ways to get it right because how we relate to one another determines how we feel about ourselves. It determines how productive we are at work. It determines how we feel about our experience at an organization. 
if we have friends there or not, or if we're constantly in conflict. You know, when I see how it literally touches every other domain of our lives, then it makes me more committed to making sure young women know how to get it right. I mean, amen to that. I think what probably surprised the audience a little bit is the research around friendship right? Some of the stats you just quoted. So, you know, when you think about your work, how did or does research play a role in the messages that you craft and, and, you know, how you deliver your messages? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. I actually have tried to kind of grapple with that. I'm like, okay, how much is too much? I think it's so interesting. So I like to share it. But the reason I've tried to lead with that uh, and saying, you know, 50% of this and a study said this, the reason I like leading with those little tidbits is because is for two reasons. One is because I have noticed that a lot of conversation around female friendship is often very fluffy and it's tips on women support women. And here are five great spots to go to brunch with your girls. And that's all fun. But unfortunately, especially with the, you know, media portrayal of women is that it is fluffy and it's fun and it's cute, but it is serious business. And so I like the opportunity to talk about it from a more intellectual or academic standpoint. So we can stop seeing everything that's like a feminine subject as being very frivolous. No. It is serious business. And so sometimes sharing that research helps us to see like, oh, this is this is for real. This is like heavy stuff because it is. The uh, second reason I like leading with the research is because a lot of people share their opinions and experiences. And that's important. You know, you get on TikTok and you see women talking about their experience with their friend group. That's important. But I think it offers some balance to hear somebody objectively say, oh, just so you know, you're not alone. You know, 70 percent of women feel the same way or they've done 30 studies on this and it turns out what you're feeling happens all the time. So I like to offer as an objective standpoint to affirm women and to help inform their decisions of how they want to show up in their relationships. Well, just just that sort of plays into belonging when you don't feel like you're alone in the challenges you're having, right? That these... Mm. It's great. There are others. This is normal, right? You are experiencing something that 70% of people do. I think that's affirming and kind of adds adds to a sense of belonging or certainly helps combat that feeling of isolation. Like you're the only one having these challenges. Yeah, that's a great point. Because it's one thing to hear, you know, a parent or somebody say like, you're not alone. And I felt that way too. And you're like, ah, yeah, mom, or yeah, you know, it's easy to dismiss. But when you see, you know, this data that's been studied for long periods of time by the most reputable researchers in the world confirm, oh, you're not alone. Or like, yes, that's a common struggle. Or yes, we do all share this tendency. I hope it makes everybody buy in. And then we can say, okay, now what do we want to do from, you know, moving forward now that we're all on the same page about this being a very real thing. And so, um, and also people like learning those little tidbits. They, they, those are things that if they forget everything else, they remember that one number and, um, and it kind of shifts the way that they move forward or it changes their approach. So it's been fun for me to share. And it's really exciting to see the numbers that people tend to remember, um, once the presentation concludes. Well, and, and, you know, I, I love that you're, you brought a little bit of everything to everyone on Friday night of CLC, right? You actually spoke about a concept called frentimacy that's got three different components to it. And we loved, of course, that the model that you presented to us happened to be a Delta, a triangle, right? Uh, very on brand, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally on brand. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about frentimacy and the, and the aspects of it? Like what's, what's absolutely required to gain intimate friendships? Yeah. So this is a concept developed by friendship experts, Shasta Nelson. And her idea is that you need three things to make a friendship or really any relationship. But I always say 
friendship is at the heart of your romantic relationships too. So she argues you need these three things to make a relationship work. Positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And so I always like to take it one step further and have the audience pause and to think of a friendship where they feel like something is missing or it could be better because oftentimes it's one of these three things. And so positivity simply refers to it having a generally uplifting spirit, the friendship. And yeah, it's not going to be positive all the time. That's one of the benefits of friendship is you can bring your troubles to your friends. But for some of us, I'm willing to bet if we stopped and we looked at, you know, the last 10 times we hung out, nine of them, We were complaining, venting, talking about somebody else. Like it wasn't like we didn't leave feeling energized. Maybe we feel like depleted. But for that relationship to be long-term and for you to feel depth in the friendship, it needs to have some kind of like uplift. Like it's, it's a pleasurable experience to be together. So a lot of us could do some work there. And I've been in seasons where I I noticed I need to do some work there. The next thing is consistency. So seeing each other or talking to each other with regularity. I often joke that some people say like, oh, my best friend and I, we only talk every other year and we're totally close. You know, and I think that speaks to chemistry, like the the chemistry that y'all have, that you yeah. can go a year without talking and hop on the phone and it flows. That's great chemistry. But if, if you think about it, if I only talk to you once a year, I don't really know what's going on in your life. I know what you choose to self-report to me every 12 months. I don't know what you're struggling with. You know, I recently worked with a client and she was telling me how sad she felt because she was like, you know, I, I have close friends and I've known them since college. These are my girls, but they have no idea what I'm, what, what I'm going through. Like they, they don't really know. And we don't talk that often, but they have no idea. And I just thought, man, that's really sad. And I think a lot of us could probably say the same things. Like our friends don't know our intimate struggles because we just uh, rest on our laurels of like, oh, we've been friends 20 years. I don't need to check in. Um, so I, I like to challenge that. And then finally, vulnerability. So can you guys be open, you know, and if you look at one of those things missing, then you can see the trouble that it creates. So for example, if we have vulnerability where we're open and sharing and we have consistency, so we see each other all the time, but we have no positivity, it is an emotionally draining relationship. And if we have positivity and vulnerability, but we never see each other, then at some point it's going to affect how well we know each other. Cause I never get to talk to you. And finally, if we have consistency and positivity, but we never get vulnerable, it's a superficial friendship. And so kind of having that framework allows us to better diagnose what's missing in our friendships. So we know what to do to make it right. Well, I've got to tell you, that's where I saw phones coming out and women taking notes on their phones. They were drawing (laughs) the model. They were right. They were hanging on your every word. Now you shifted the presentation to talk about a harder topic around conflict. Give us an example. What are some common conflicts and you know, what are your, what are your strategies that what do you, what do you recommend women do when they come up against conflict in a friendship? Yeah. So the first thing we have to do is know that that is totally normal. It is normal to butt heads with a friend, with a sister, with a fellow member is normal. And we have to start right there because if we don't think it's normal, then we start to think, oh, maybe it's a problem with me. Maybe it's a problem with her. We question everything. But what's so funny to me is I like to compare things to the romantic space because we tend to know what to do there. Like there are scripts for what to, how to show up romantically. So with a partner we're dating, we already know there's going to be a conflict and we feel totally prepared to be like, Hey babe, you know, this is what I need. And I don't like that you said this thing. And can we talk about it? Let's work through it. That's normal. But for some reason in a friendship or a sisterhood, we assume that we're going to have a natural like understanding. So if conflict arises, we start to question everything. We think that's a sign that we're, we must not be as close as I thought we were. So that, that doesn't make sense. Why do we expect that we're going to, you know, have some competing interests in a romantic relationship, but friendships should just be, you know, a garden that just tends itself with no issues. And so I like to start by saying, you know, conflict is simply a, a clash 
of people who have different boundaries, needs, and desires. So it's going to happen because we're different. The question becomes, do you have the skill to move on or to, to reconcile when it happens, which is where a lot of us fall apart. And so there are a couple barriers to friendship specifically for women that make it harder for us to move on. Now, what's surprising is there's research that says that women's friendships are more fragile. They are deeper, but they're fragile. The research shows that women tend to register more violations than men do in their relationships. We have higher expectations in both our friendships and romantic relationships but that we're less likely to communicate them. So when you put all this together, it's just a disaster. Yeah. We have high expectations, but we don't want to tell each other about them and we keep it to ourselves and we ruminate. So yeah. we have a lot of tendencies that make it difficult for us to, to reconcile. And so a couple of things that can help when you find that like, oh, this is getting kind of awkward. This is kind of tense. The first thing is be careful about attributing it to her character. One of the first things I see us do is go, you know, a friend is constantly late or she didn't, you know, say the right thing after we vented to her. We start to think, oh, She's kind of inconsiderate. She's kind of selfish. She's kind of, we go straight to character deficiencies. And it's hard to reconcile with somebody who I don't think is a great person. So how can I keep myself to associating it with circumstances? Like, okay, well, she must've been, you know, kind of in a bad mood. Or maybe she was frustrated with me. Like, how can we kind of keep things in the situation as opposed to making it about, oh, she's so selfish because that makes it really hard to come together. The second thing we've got to do is be careful about who we share our, our, our beef with, right? A lot of us, we share with somebody who's going to validate our anger. So they'll say, yeah, that was shady of her. I yeah. can't believe she did. Don't you? I mean, I've done yeah, it too. Absolutely. We're subconsciously... I am seeking out the person who's going to tell me what I want to hear. Yes. Like subconscious, you know what I mean to do it. Yes. Yeah. Like I want the person who's going to say, you're right. She is an attitude, you know? But the thing is like, what happens after that conversation? We tend to go back to the person who we're having an issue with, with more, like we're more hyped up now. And now we're like more indignant and we're less likely to reconcile because we just got support for like, yeah, you know, instead of, are you going to people who are invested in the repair of your relationship? Are you going to people who are going to say, oh yeah, that's messed up what she said, but Hey, you guys need to talk that out. Why don't you ask her questions? Why don't you ask her, you know, what she meant by that? So am I taking it to people who want to see me heal the relationship? Or am I taking it to people who take delight in the drama? Because that's something I need to, you know, think about. And then finally, I would say, you know, one thing with conflict is we have to talk about it. I know it's awkward. I know some of us don't maybe have great backgrounds and and, in our homes with conflict and how it was handled in our family. So, you know, including myself, we have some unlearning to do. I've had to unlearn some things. Some friends have taught me how to unlearn some things, you know, reconciling as quick as possible. Because, and I'm sure you've seen this too, we tend to silently stack little violations, stack it up, stack it up until one day we're done with her. And then she's like, what did I do? But we never told her. We just thought, "Mm, that's interesting. I'm turned off by her. But wouldn't you appreciate it if a friend said, hey, you're doing this thing. It makes me feel uncomfortable. If you're a good friend, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I I had no idea I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And so we just have to be aware of patterns that we have after conflict. And if it's really helping or hurting, because a conflict is just a chance to meet a need, but ask ourselves, are your patterns in the midst of conflict, are they helping repair a relationship or are you only making it harder to reconcile? Yeah, that kind of goes to a, a kind of a common practice or idea um, that we share within Tri-Delta's executive office. Um, and that's that problems don't age well, right? Ooh, so love that. Yeah, we just, we try to surface them sooner and come to resolution sooner. And we try to assume good intentions all the time too. 
and hopefully in the workplace, that is generally the case, right? But your words of wisdom and just the practical advice that you were offering our collegiate leaders was fabulous. These leaders are are absolutely going to deal with conflict during their leadership next year, right? Of Tri-Delta's collegiate chapters. And they're going to be dealing with conflicts among friends and managing through conflict as friends, right? So it was it was so good, Danielle. One thing that I do want to ask you is, you know, we spent a lot of time this weekend talking to our collegians about membership in Tri-Delta is a lifetime journey, right? Mm-hmm. And which is a little hard for, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old women to wrap their arms and heads around, right? What advice would you would you give all of us in Tri-Delta about creating and engaging in lifetime friendship as members of Tri-Delta? Oh, that's good. Uh, a couple of things that are maybe a little unpopular at first, but but they're helpful. The first is you're not going to be able to be best friends with everybody. So remember, we talked earlier about high expectations, yep. manager expectations. We need to be friendly with everyone, compassionate, warm with them, kind to them. OK, but really, it's OK if you have like your two close girls and they get it and you guys have established a sense of of trust where you know that these are my girls and I can relax. I could be myself. OK, so it's OK to have a difference between these are my sisters and these are my sister friends you know? Um, So that's one thing. And then the second thing is to remind yourself that it is a beautiful thing to be a part of something bigger than yourself. We mentioned it briefly during the presentation, but we talked about how there are different forms of loneliness and being in this organization can help you satisfy all of those. One of the forms of uh, loneliness we talked about is collective loneliness, where people feel disconnected because they miss being a part of something greater than themselves. It is such a blessing to be a part of this organization where you all have a shared mission, you're volunteering, you're talking about sisterhood, supporting each other and hyping women up. It is a blessing. So many people do not have that and are hungry for what you all have right now. And sometimes we don't know what we've got until we go on the other side. And so as much as you can remind yourself, not every day might be shiny. And yeah, I might kind of get in a a little tussle with somebody and that was uncomfortable. Try to force yourself to see the long-term plan and how helpful it is emotionally, professionally, to be a part of a network where y'all are bonded over a common mission and common goal. It's a very special thing. You're lucky to have it. And maybe when those nights or days get kind of tough and a little confusing or frustrating, maybe holding tightly to that truth might be exactly what you need to to keep you moving forward. It's just, that's so powerful. So Danielle, where can people learn more about you? Tell us about your website, your socials, anything you've got coming down the pike that where we can learn more about you and spend more time with you. Yeah. So I'm often running my mouth on Instagram <laughs> stories and I'm on Instagram by my full name, Danielle Byer Jackson. But if ladies are looking for, you know, resources or my podcast, the friend forward podcast or whatever else it is, it's all housed at betterfemalefriendships.com. And I look forward to seeing everybody over there. That is absolutely terrific. Thank you again for being with us this past weekend, Danielle. I am so excited just to have met you and to continue to learn with and from you right on this journey. So thank you for being here with us today. I have already told you, we'd love to have you back. I want everyone to stay tuned for exciting new episodes, programs, and content. I'd love for you all to check out the lead network where you can take your Tri-Delta connections to the next level. And we want to hear from you always, right? Please send us your podcast ideas, anything you'd love to hear or learn about. Just email us at podcast at trideltaeo.org. And then of course, please like, subscribe and rate our podcast. We do love the five-star ratings. And finally, thank you for joining us. Until next time, Delta Love.